0: Hey everyone, I'm really excited to tell you about a new way to support the podcast that costs you nothing. Almost all of you are buying art supplies online and a whole lot of you shop at Blick.com. If you aren't shopping at Blick, well, you should be. Uh, They have everything you need at great prices. They run tons of specials and discounts. And if you navigate to Blick using our new affiliate link, the Messy Studio will earn a 10% commission on your art supply purchase that you are going to make anyway. There is a link in the description of this episode and a button in the upper left hand corner at www.messystudiopodcast.com. Now, I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor right now. Pause the podcast, click the link, and bookmark the page. Next time you need art stuff, use the bookmark. It is effortless, it takes 10 seconds to set up, and it will do a whole lot to benefit the podcast. Thanks, everyone. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are talking about editing your work. We're all familiar with the idea of editing as it applies to writing. In fact, it is often said that every good writer needs an editor to prepare their work for publication. An editor makes sure that the writing is technically correct and cohesive and impactful in its meaning. As visual artists, we don't typically involve anyone else in that kind of role, yet editing is vital for producing our best work. Today, we will talk about editing our work for stronger and more consistent results. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll.
1: Hello, everyone. So I do a lot of writing as well as painting, Um, and I'm very familiar with the whole idea of editing writing, uh, because you can write something and think it's great, and you give it to someone else, and they say, oh, but look, if you move this sentence, or... Whatever, and right away you say yes. It's so much better now, um, and I think there's a lot of parallels with the process of uh, of writing in general, not just editing with with making art. Um, you know, we talk about visual vocabulary. We talk about our voice. Um, we try to find, when we write, we try to find just the right words, you know. Um, and, and a lot of times that's like what we do when we paint. We're trying to find just the right color just the right line. Um, and we even talk about, you know, how does that work of art read to you? And so it's like this uh, analogy to uh, reading something that's written, meaning what, what does it communicate? You know, what are you getting out of it? Um, and so editing... You know, I don't know how widely this is used in visual art. I know a lot of teachers say this, but you may not be familiar with it as um, a word that's used for visual art, but editing takes place uh, in both writing and, and visual art, um, and, you know, there's definitely some differences, like uh, with with writing, with good writing, you you have more acceptable or accepted guidelines. You have rules about grammar and spelling and not ending a sentence, uh, not using a preposition to end a sentence with or whatever, you know? Like these are no-no's, oh, we're gonna edit that out. Um, um, And a lot of times a piece of writing is in a very defined structure. You have a word count that you're aiming for or you have a very defined topic that you're writing about. And so when the um, person editing goes through it, they can say, well, you know you've gone over your word count or you're really off topic here um, and a lot of times in works of art we're trying to feel our way through so we're not exactly sure what that what that topic is <laughs> till we get there um, and the whole thing about just being able to have fresh eyes on something where you know as artists we do you know most all of the editing ourselves we may ask for someone's opinion at some point but basically we are the editors as well as the creators and that in writing that's such a great um advantage to be able to hand it over to somebody else and say "Uh, clean it up you know (laughs) or what do you notice about it that that's a little off base and um, I have found this to be so valuable when I've written things for publication to have you know other eyes on it so um but you know visual artists hey, we don't have that many definite rules. Um, We do have guidelines. We have, um, you know, we talked about some of these things in previous episodes, like composition. Uh, That was, I wrote these numbers down in case anybody wants to go back and look. That was 120, episode 128. We talked about composition. Self-critique was episode uh, 36. And even a a recent one that we did about um, intention plays in, that was uh, 131. Because editing... um, Part of editing is deciding if you're on track with what you want this to, to what you want it to be, and whether it's saying something that you want to communicate. So, you know, editing, like a lot of things we talk about, there's a lot of interrelationship with other um, ways we've come at it in different episodes. Um, but I think really focusing on this idea of editing is it's a clarifying idea. It can help to um, understand the process if you know about editing and writing and you've had people edit your work, you get it right away what this what this is about. Um, and it's not that you have to be a writer to get this either. I mean we all have our own skill set and you may never write and maybe you haven't written since you know school, but think about what they told you back in school about writing um, and having um, you know, Clarity and brevity and a point of view and those are all part of visual work. So, anyway, I think it's important, and I think that it um, it has a lot of advantages to when you when you do go through this process with your work. It just brings a clarity to it, and it, it allows your viewer to to enter something a little bit easier and not feel confused by competing ideas or. You know, extraneous stuff it shows your intention, it shows your strength and your purpose um helps relate pieces of work of yours to one another because you're you know editing out things that are too much of a sidetrack so that's my pitch for getting getting involved in this <laughs> and i'm I'm going to talk about it a little more specifically, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and we often um, – we, we talk on this podcast all the time about kind of dueling concepts and balancing them. And if you really want to create a cohesive piece of work, you you are going to have to find the balance in these. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult for a viewer to enter something if there isn't – if it's not pared down, if it's not balanced, if it's not um, – if, if you're going too far off into the weeds on on one particular thing, um, then it, it can be very, very difficult for it to, to feel like a finished work.
1: Well, and one of the things, and, and I'll go into this a little bit later, I think, and repeat this again. But one of the things that comes through when somebody hasn't edited with enough strength, with enough strength of mind to say that's going... I'm getting rid of that. But one of the things that comes through with a weak painting or a painting that doesn't seem quite finished is that something has not been edited out that really should have been. And and oftentimes it's because the particular thing became precious to the artist or they really liked this particular thing and it's not working with a whole. And it seems it seems random. It seems like, what is that doing there? And this is a huge pitfall in editing that you have to kind of get over. So,
0: Yeah, a lot of this stuff is experimental and you're playing with something. And if it just doesn't quite get to the point where it works, uh, it can be very hard to let it go. You've put a lot of energy into it. Um, but at the same time, somebody who's walking in fresh, they're not going to get it. And, uh, I, I see this a lot with music too. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that's like, it, there's a piece in, in a, a section of a certain, of a song or something that's, that's, you can tell that they were going for something, but they never quite get there and it just doesn't work.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, if it were writing, the a, a writing editor would say, Hey, just get rid of that sentence. You'll see it all come together now. And it's really the same thing, you know. Um, And there's something about even the word editing, it sort of sounds like uh, unnecessary evil or like a chore or like, oh, I guess I got to do this. Um, Maybe that goes back to school where, you know, you had to hand in a first draft and then you get all these red marks on your paper and you got to go back through it or whatever. (laughs) It has this kind of vibe of like something I don't really want to do. But um, I I believe that there are definitely ways around that, and it, it's it's attitude, like so many things. Um, one of the ideas I picked up somewhere in my reading, I, this is not an original idea to me, um, the idea is that um, editing is a process that can be so integrated into what you do that you're editing all the time as you go, and it has. This, it can have the same spontaneity, it can have the same pleasure in clarifying um, as anything else you do in your work. I mean, it it can really be um, satisfying. I think is the word I would say when I when I make a good edit and I see things come together, it's it just it's powerful, and so. Um, as part of your process, it doesn't need to have any negative connotation. Um, it, it can be done with this kind of spontaneity and energy uh, that, you, that you're that you painting with as you go. And it doesn't mean that you always have to sit back and have heavy deliberation about something. It, it can be very intuitive. Um, and I think if you get into a lot of second guessing with it, that is when it becomes a bit painful. <laughs> You know, should I or shouldn't I get rid of that blue thing there? Um, If your impulse says get rid of it, do it, do it now, you know, do it in the next five minutes and, and move on because that. Um, intuitive feeling about it is probably very correct and and there's a lot of people that makes this kind of spontaneity look very easy. I mean I think of children <laughs> children are very good at spontaneous work and letting go of things. I mean they'll do something and you know walk away from it and don't they don't care if you put it on the refrigerator or not you know and and that beautiful kind of moving on spontaneity, that's the attitude that's really helpful with editing. That said
0: I think it's a lot like cleaning and organizing. It's it's hard to get started, but once you do, you find out that things just feel better when they're cleaned and organized and there isn't a bunch of clutter. And it's the the when when you finished, when you have something that's nicely cleaned and organized, it's so much better than what than it was before. And you see the massive impact that that you know that little bit of effort, right? Uh, really has on on your environment, and I and so it's the same thing with your writing or with your your visual work. Um, if you really want it to be impactful and you want it to be enjoyable, uh, then it, it needs to be cleaned and organized. You need to get rid of the clutter.
1: And it's amazing how many rationalizations we can have for all that clutter, right? <laughs> like, and this is something I really notice when people are not closely editing their work is justifying to themselves why they need to keep this thing that isn't really working because they happen to like it. Um, And, you know, you can become very blind to these things yourself and say, I don't see a problem with that. I like it, you know, (laughs) and somebody else coming along is like, wow, that part really bothers me. Um, And, I mean, I certainly have done the same thing with cluttered environments of my own saying, well, I'm fine with it, you know, but but it's right. You're right. When you get it cleaned up, it does feel better. Um,
0: well, and I think that we have a fear of things feeling empty. You know, we, we we move into a new house or apartment and there's this urge to, like, fill it up with stuff so it doesn't feel so empty and it feels like a home or... You know, we start writing and and the urge mm-hmm. is like, well, let's let's get to like a thousand words or let's get to how whatever your word right. count is that you're shooting for. And that's something that's trained into us in school is we have to turn a paper a paper that's a thousand mm-hmm. words or whatever.
1: Yeah, why do they do that? Yeah, and so
0: it's there's this urge to just fill up that blank space with clutter. And you know, maybe you get like a blank canvas and it's like, All right, well let's fill it up <laughs> You know and, <laughs> and so there's there's this fear of the empty that I, I think is maybe driving the the creation of all this clutter in the first place. Uh, and then mm-hmm. you have to go back in and clean it up.
1: And then, you know, there's, as long as we're talking about the, the scary side of editing, there's a scary side in that when you make, let's say you're more or less satisfied with a painting and there's something that's bothering you and your int- intuition is saying, get rid of that. And you know that when you get rid of that, it may seem like, okay, that's all I have to do, and then the painting's going to be done. But very, very often, you make one change, and then you say, oh, and now actually this other part over here isn't working, so now I'm going to change that. And before long, you know, you you will have moved quite far away from whatever it was you had that was like you were pretty close to being done or you liked it. And this particular cycle, <laughs> I have to say, is one I'm very familiar with. And to the point of being so close to having something done that you know i I would be ready to say it's going to the gallery or whatever, but sometimes it it takes time to realize that there's a problem, and so I'll leave it up and I'll start looking at it, and then something starts bothering me, and then I go in and change that thing and um, and then I will say, I have wrecked it, I have completely lost. By the time I'm finished making all these changes, whatever I had, and this is a really challenging point, and editing can bring you to this point over and over again, and I, th- I really think it's why a lot of people settle, and they say, okay, it's good enough, I'm going to leave it alone, um, because it it often leads you to the pit of despair when you've, you've lost something, but... The thing that uh, is also very true is that when you work your way back out of the pit of despair, you have something better and you have advanced. Um, A lot of times these things that are holding you back are old habits, they're things that have worked before but they're not particularly working in this painting. And so you edit them out, you push past, and you have a new challenge, and this is how it, we grow. So that aspect of editing that has to do with complete change, not just little tweaks, but complete change, is really challenging. And it is like it is like you're walking along the edge of a cliff and you're going you're gonna to start falling off. And, you know, you'll get back up to the top again, but it's scary when it happens. So um, this, as an instructor the resistance that i am met with so often when i say yeah that's going very well but you really need to take care of this compositional problem and it's like i've told somebody to do something truly awful and it's such resistance to that to to leaping into that change and making that change
0: I want to take a quick break to talk about mid-roll ads on the Messy Studio. Uh, if you have a product or service uh, that you would like us to mention on the Messy Studio, please send us an email. Uh, we've, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you've noticed we're doing a couple mid-roll ads, and uh, we're we're really only interested in talking about um, art-related services and products, and maybe shows that some of you have coming up. Um, we really want to keep the ads focused on art related things and what you guys are doing so if you have something like that that you want us to mention please send us an email our rates are very reasonable and we'll work with you back to the show
1: so you know i was talking about these things that are we were talking both about things that are a little bit scary about editing (laughs) um about how you get to the point where you need to edit uh, because you want to fill up your space and how it can be really hard to make those changes. And just a few things about how to push yourself um, past that point. Um, and I was, as I was saying, a lot of artists stop as soon as they feel like it's good enough. There's something there. But if you think back to um, writing, any writing you've done, even if it was a long time ago, the there's an emphasis on not stopping with that first draft you know you you get something you get your thoughts down okay and but now you need to refine them you need to make them more clear you need to find the best way to say them and so don't settle you know don't settle at that first point Editing is a way uh, to go deeper. And it, editing includes adding things as well as taking them out. Um, sometimes it's clear that something more is needed, a certain color or a certain something to balance a composition. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we you know, don't have enough value shift in our work and it's clear that that needs to be changed. So editing is changing and it's changing something either by adding or or by taking out in order to find the most clear and important use of what you've got going there. Um, and so it it can take a lot of patience, and I think that is an attitude that is helpful to develop. It, many times there's subtle tweaking, subtle adding, subtle deleting that can make a huge difference. And um, I I know I've mentioned this before, but people are often worried about overworking, and they think that if they go through this, subtle editing process, the the work will lose its spark or it'll become dead. And I won't say that isn't um, an issue. That definitely can happen if you become too perfectionistic about it. But I will also say there are many times when just, say, smoothing over a texture that's so rough it's calling attention to itself, or adding a little bit more of a color that is really bringing life to the painting. These are the things that make a big difference. And so it's a lot of subtlety and a lot of um, nuances towards the end of a painting, especially. And it and it really, all this editing um, helps you to know when a painting is finished. I mean, being willing to make those little changes and then living with it um, for a while. So. And patience. You know, patience and not settling, I think, are, are big and, and not being afraid uh, to jump in and do things um, and, and make the changes that are needed uh, without a lot of um, deliberation and second guessing about it.
0: Um, early on in the episode, I, I tried to express a concept and I, I think I was a little bit unclear with it. And as we've talked, it's kind of crystallized more in my mind here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that there's there's a the specific balance that um, editing helps us solve is this balance between planning and spontaneity. Um, I I think it's important mm. to to have a certain amount of planning as you go into something, um, and the, that balance between balance uh, between planning and spontaneity is going to be different for every artist. Just how much planning you do and how spontaneous are you. Um, but, uh, a a buddy of mine is, uh, he's working on a a book and it's a work of fiction. And I told him from the beginning, um, you're going to want to start with, you're, you're going to want to have all of your plot points planned out ahead of time. Um, and even have like a, an outline for each chapter before you write that chapter. But the reality of writing a novel is that the characters kind of become real in your mind and you start to improvise a little bit. Um, and you need that in order for your characters to feel real. You need a certain amount of spontaneity. But as he's writing, I'm telling him write the Hobbit, not the Silmarillion. You know, you don't need to write like the backstory of every single thing, even though it's real in your mind. You uh, need you need to, you need to mm-hmm. write the characters, write the plot point, and you need to have enough of that spontaneity for it to feel real to people as they're reading it. But and and not feel overworked and formulaic and planned. But you also need to have an idea of where you're going with this um mm. and so i i think that the editing what it does is it helps us find that balance so we start with our plan uh we qu- we qu- quickly throw that in the trash can and do whatever we're gonna do and editing helps us kind of reel that in and bring us back to the plan mm. and, and help it helps us to find that balance between what is planned what is spontaneous how do we make this whole thing work together as a cohesive whole
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really, that's really good. And I mean, again, tying it in with the act of writing, uh, which is, you know, there are definitely differences, but the basic concept that you're saying, I think that's very well said. And it's hard, it's a hard thing to explain. Um, especially when artists tend to work, if you're an artist who tends to work intuitively, um, not thinking that this underlying structure is of importance, but when you get back to um, intention, personal voice, and all those things, that's your structure. That's your, where you're going with this, how how exactly it's going to play out, you may have no idea. Um, it may change a great deal during the process, but that basic um, intention, structure, plot line, <laughs> whatever we want to call it, uh, as you say, editing keeps you on track with that. It helps you continually come back to that and say, does this fit? Do I need this? Or is this just, um, you know, something I I liked in the moment and I left it there? And and you know, when you read uh, a poorly written novel, you see so much of that um, kind of stuff in there. (laughs) And and the really well-written novel um, allows you that freedom of imagination while keeping you on track, you're free to imagine some of the details, and um, and have the li- and enjoy the life of the characters as you're saying. So, um, and and I think this also gets to the next point that I wanted to make, which is editing is about content as well as the visual stuff. Um, I mean, we have all these formal aspects in a work of art that the kind of things, the kind of questions you might ask yourself as you're just dealing with the visual elements or the principles of design, thinking, uh, asking yourself things like, is there is there too much visual weight in this part of the painting? Um, is sort of like an awkward phrase in writing, like it's calling too much attention to itself. Um, are there areas that are competing with each other because they're too similar? Um, and And one of the ways that is a fix for that or a little tip is, all you have to do is block one of those areas out with your hand or with a piece of paper or whatever. And if you're trying to choose, I need to edit one of these out, cover cover up one and then the other and see what it does. Um, usually you see right away how much better it's going to be to get rid of them, one of them. Um, so it's kind of like a hierarchy of importance in the in the painting Oh, you know, you might notice that there's areas that are really dead, really dull. They haven't been worked with the same amount of attention as the rest of the painting. And sometimes those are okay, and they can seem fresh and spontaneous, but other times dead zone, you know. <laughs> um, you, sometimes uh, you have areas that are very patchy looking. They just, with color or texture, you know, little bits of this and that, you just need to to unify or subdue them Um and the the thing i mentioned early on these areas of preciousness these we were talking about it uh how you you just like something you just want to leave it there um and i'd say if you are working to convince yourself that uh, this works just because you want to keep it that's really not a good sign <laughs> um you have to have the confidence to let it go and just say yes i did that it was very nice and something else will happen again later that will be nice also but for now, this part has got to go. It's not working with the whole thing.
0: Yeah, all of it is stuff that you did, and you can do it again.
1: Exactly. And, there, you know, I, I like to point out that there's a difference between between intuition and randomness or spontaneity and randomness. Randomness is stuff that just doesn't seem to fit. and um, And that usually is not working in a painting. And a lot of times those precious areas look pretty random when they're when they're preserved at the expense of everything else um i don't know other things you might want to look to in terms of composition is it is there a structure is it um cohesive a good path for the eyes um just kind of analyzing it like that like the visual part of it the the form and you know talk about form and content those are the things of form value distribution um a lot of times Artists overuse middle value. So, uh, do you need to add? You know, I said editing can include adding. Do we need to add some other value? Um, mark making—that's a tricky one because if we want our marks to be spontaneous often. But have they? Are they more like random? Are they things we just put down because we thought a little little something was needed here? But it doesn't really have any power to it. So, uh. This kind of really analytic approach is is important, especially when you're learning. I think more experienced artists tend to do this stuff intuitively and as part of the process, but it's important. And to see it as editing, to see as these are changes that are going to lead to a stronger painting. Um, but when you were talking about the novel um, that your friend is working on, it's, that's also about the the conceptual part. like. Keeping the, the ideas moving, keeping the ideas strong. Um, and that's true, another aspect of editing visual work. Um, what is the mood you're, you're going for? What is What are you trying to say? What are you trying to communicate? Um, and so this is another aspect of editing where you look at it and you can say, have I... Have I gotten this to the point where it's it's sort of bland, like there's no tension? I've, I've tweaked and finessed everything. Um, does it engage? I mean, is there a hook to it? Um, if this were a novel, would I want to read it, or would it be sort of the same stuff over and over again? Um, so maybe you need some contrast, and maybe you need some energy put back into it. And, um, you know, are your intentions... Clear. They don't have to be clear verbally. You wouldn't necessarily have to explain them. But somebody looking at it will come away with some, there'll be some impact on them. Um, so, you know, all these things, as far as what you want to communicate, that's also part of the editing, and it's a little bit harder aspect than just the visual stuff. But of course, they work together. That's an integrated approach. Um, are you Are you using the tools that you have to say what you want to say? And, and sometimes when we talk about editing, it sounds like it's all about simplifying. And I just want to say, there are some very, very complex works that, um, that they work uh, because of consideration for every bit of it and every bit, how is it contributing to the whole. A few episodes ago, we talked about Picasso's painting Guernica, which is very complex, but every aspect of it is integrated. It's all connected and all the principles of design and the visual elements are working together and it's almost like if you're going to work in a complex way you have to even be a better editor <laughs> you know right. you can't just say i'm going to i'm going to simplify 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 but how am i going to get all these things to work together that's a challenge
0: well and we've talked previously about how complexity is something that is achieved through experience and and it's a lot easier to make uh, something that's fairly simple, a cohesive something that works—that that's something that's achievable fairly quickly within an art practice, um, and that mm-hmm. achieving that complexity in a way where it actually works takes a lot of time and dedication and and commitment to your craft.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean I don't want to I don't want to discount minimalist work either because. I mean, that can also be deceptively complex. I mean, you may think it looks simple in the beginning, and that's that's part of the artist's approach is to hit you with something that appears quite simple. And yet um, it may have a lot of depth to it. There may be a lot of subtlety to it that doesn't hit you right away. Um, so I'm not discounting simplicity at all in a work of art. And, you know, there are absolutely gorgeous paintings that are extremely simple, but they're also finely edited, I believe. I mean, there's something that makes that work, that makes that perfect, wonderful balance that wasn't the first draft, you know? (laughs) And I I mean, uh, as an instructor, sometimes I've had students do something like, you know, put down two colors and say, well, you know, it's minimalist. I like it. And I'm like, yes, but come back to that after about 10 layers, you know, I mean, work your way back to it and it will be deeper. It will have more um, nuance to it. And I, you know, I think the best minimalism is, is wrought. It's like you've worked your way back to it from something that was more complex. So um, anyway, all these things are about process and editing doesn't have to be a separate issue it's it is absolutely part of the process but shining a little light on it and i think in terms of thinking about it as as it relates to writing is is kind of helpful you know cuz we a lot of us kind of know what good editing in writing does it's the same thing in visual art with differences of course
0: yeah i think a lot about um the uh going maybe to more like the film world um, one of my favorite directors is, uh, is Stanley Kubrick, probably my favorite director of all time. And, uh, his, his work is incredibly complex. Um, and if you look at a movie like The Shining, which is a, a fairly simple plot line, um, it's, and it's, it's fairly simple as far as Stanley Kubrick's movies go, but the level of complexity within that is incredible. Um, every single piece Every single square inch of that movie screen is used to maximum effect, and every single Mm -hmm. thing in it is curated. And the more that you dive into it, uh, the more you find that's that's intentional, Um, but uh, but is is within this you know fairly simple plot line, and and this fairly. I mean, it's all based on a a short story by Stephen King, who's an incredible author, and. Uh Stanley Kubrick, of course, uh completely threw out the story as soon as he started <laughs> he kinda made his own his own story. Um but there's there's so many little details in there. Um you know, that I a couple that spring to mind. Um there's a uh uh there's a scene where they go and they talk to the the hotel manager and it's they they follow uh the characters through this this hallway. And then when they get to the to the room where they're meeting the the manager, there's a bright light behind them as if sunlight's coming through the the window, and it's very awkward. And if you actually plot out the movements through the hotel, um, that there there is no sunlight coming through that window. That's it's a it's an interior uh, room, and so it, it mm-hmm. creates this this feeling of discomfort not only because the light is awkward, but because it shouldn't be there in the first place. And, and it's, it's so subtle that you will never pick it up the first time you watch that movie. But the deeper you go into it, the more you find these little things that are just unsettling. And it's a horror movie. And so it's supposed to make you feel unsettled.
1: Yeah. Um, Wow. Makes me want to watch it again. I haven't seen it for years, but you know, I can remember certain scenes as well.
0: There's there's certain th- things that are impactful the first time you watch it. Everyone remembers the elevator doors opening and the waterfall of blood coming out and things like that. Um, and there there are certain scenes that are you know just the first time you watch it, it's what you remember. Um, but there's there's so many little details in that movie, um, and and so many like the the brand of typewriter that he's writing on, or what cans are in the pantry, and it's it's everything in that film mm. is curated and edited to such an extreme extent.
1: I'm glad you brought up film in general because that's another great analogy. Everybody knows how much of a film ends up on the cutting floor, right? I mean, well, in, in the old days anyway, it was physically cut. And, um, you know, that that's kind of, everybody knows that. If you've ever been involved in filming anything, um, you know how much is not used. And so, you know, Film depends on very good editing and and to bring a as you're mentioning with this film, a lot of complexity it it condenses it you know and and so you know I think film is another great thing to think about when you're thinking about your paintings you know just that in every art form that you have to you have to curate you have to call you have to decide what works, what doesn't. Um, it's essential, and yet there's such a tendency, I feel like, in painting and visual art to get to something that you say, oh, you know, I like that. That's pretty good, and you're done, <laughs> and it's like uh, push it, you know, and, and edit it and consider everything carefully.
0: Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode?
1: Just just to embrace that editing process. Don't Don't stop too soon. Um, let it sit, take your time, look at it in different ways from a distance, um, look at it in a photo, look at it in a mirror, show it to somebody else and and be willing to enter this cycle of change and a new path to get back to a resolution. And that you have to be willing to do that uh, to make those changes. And asking yourself, as it gets to the end and you're trying to decide is it done, you know, is there too much of something? Is there too little of something? Is there something I want to take out? Something I want to add? Uh, what will strengthen this work? And sometimes it's only something very small, um, and you know, just just being willing to—it's hard work—and just being willing to do that.
0: Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Messy Studio. For more from the Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space,
1: messy or otherwise. Thanks everybody.